Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talking Knicks. I'll be your host, Greg Poon, for the second time. This is going to be a good one. We got our, our good pals Tom and Jake here. Kenny is... Doing something else because he has to work tomorrow. Who does that, right? So, how are you boys doing, Jake? How's Colorado? I'm I'm good, man. had a had a nice little weekend. I played played some golf yesterday. Had a nice course, Fossil Trace. It's 62 and sunny in Denver. Not a lot of people realize how good the Denver weather is, but um, it was good, man. And uh, you know, I'll I'll, I'll get it in now before I get it in every segment I do. But the New York Yankees at at talking Yanks, uh, huge week for the Yankees. So. Good week for New York sports. How about that? Okay week for me, per usual. Tom? Hey, Greg. I'm doing pretty well here. We It is not 62 and sunny here in Connecticut. We got several inches of snow. So, yeah, I, I didn't do a whole lot this weekend. Watched some movies and actually just watched the Knicks get a win, which was nice. Nice little change of pace from the last couple of games. But uh, we're going to get into that. So let's, let's talk some Knicks. Hey, yeah, Tom. I forgot to but, say it before, but let's talk Knicks. The New York Knicks select Kristaps. Before we talk Knicks, I've got one other huge thing I need to bring up. I watched Frozen for the first time this weekend, and have you guys seen it? I have not seen it. I have also not seen it, but I think I kind of know the, the gist of it, the plot of it. Oh, yeah, you think you know, you have no idea. No, I, um... Good movie. I, I think I gave it a four out of five. But um, you, sometimes you forget just like the little dark subtleties Disney throws, and you're like, "Oh my god, am I watching the right flick?" So <laughs> go out, buy Frozen. It's the new movie this holiday season. But I guess we'll talk next this podcast. Hey, thanks everybody. This is talking Frozen. <laughs> talking Frozen. We did it. All right, let's get started. So we had we had a so-so week. I'd, I'd lean towards bad week but uh results were two and two we had our worst losses the season to the pacers and by worst loss i mean like worst performance possible we ended up only being like 18 but at one point they're losing by 38 and then the pacers were like this is kind of mean we'll 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 ease up so that was the worst loss in one one sense of the word we had a good good win against the grizzlies good team win people showed up Everybody did a good job. We appreciate it, having the time of their lives. Um, then we had our actual worst loss of the season to the Chicago Bulls, the worst, <laughs> the worst team in the entire NBA. Came into the game, 4-20, second night of a back-to-back. Knicks had two days off between the Grizzlies' win and the Bulls' game, and they lost anyway. So that was unfortunate. And then today, we finished off the week with a win over the Hawks. It was... A lot harder than it should have been at MSG, our our safe haven. We were able to pull out the W. Not how we wanted to win, but counts as a win anyway. So, I mean, we'll go in order. Pacers game, terrible game. I don't remember much because I'm blocking it out of my memory. But what, what do you got for me, Tom? What were your 
your takeaways from that one? Yeah, I had a couple there. First of which is the Knicks were just ice cold shooting that night. They were like Elsa in Frozen. Oh! Yeah, yeah. The main thing that I took away was the Knicks were actually outscored 31 to 5 in fast break points, which I don't remember seeing a disparity quite that large before. They just, I went through some of the video and just time after time, no one on the Knicks was getting back on defense. And we kind of expected that going in. This was going, this was a game where the, the Knicks were without Chris Tepps Porzingis and Tim Hardaway Jr. It was the second night of a back to back. So we kind of chalked this game up to a loss beforehand anyway on the la- on last week's pod. But yeah, they were, you know, the, the lack of effort really showed. They, they weren't getting back on D. They had no legs and they were shooting. They were 6 of 23 on threes. And uh, yeah, the, the Pacers are, are too good of a team to, to go to their place and play like that and get a win. All right, yeah. Um, I seem to remember Darren, Hall- Darren Carlson just having fast break after fa- fast break somehow and just was ugly. We just ke- kept seeing to be passing the ball to the other team. I... Uh, I got back from work. Knicks were down 17 when I turned it on, thinking, hey, this can't get much worse. But but it did, and it never got better, really, until the end when Knicks outscored the Pacers 32-20 to 20 in the end after they put in Willie and Ron and Ramon, the elite squad. And the, the Pacers answered with their elite squad of uh, Damian Wilkins, who hasn't been in the NBA for like five years. And TJ Leaf, who who seldom plays, but I mean, it was nice of them to make the the, the end score look better than it was. But it was it was a terrible game. You, yeah. you got anything to to add to that, Jake? Only thing that needs to be said. That biggest point Tom mentioned: Tim Hardaway Jr. and Chris Epps did not play. Um, <laughs> the starters plus minuses are horrible. And I think something that also should kind of be a note, the Pacers are playing pretty good basketball. They're up to fifth in the East right now. Um, they're 16 and 11. So, I mean, they're 10 and four at home. So without your two best players, um, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of is what it is. You'd like to see a little bit of a better effort. I, Willie Hernan Gomez, Will Bill, the leading scorer of the team, um, and then didn't play the rest of the week, if I read that right. So he's got to feel like, you know, Elsa's sister, Anna from Frozen, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. I knew you guys would like that reference. So, yeah, tough tough game at Indiana. Yeah, we forgot to mention that THJ and Chris Tapps were both out that game. Yeah, yes. That's, That's a big important. part of it. But, like, even without your two best players, you shouldn't be losing by 38, hopefully, this next team. But they were, and they lost. But next game, the Grizzlies. Good win. Good team win. Courtney Lee led the way. 24 points. Chris Tabs bounced back from his uh from his DNP injury against the Pacers. Had 18 on 8 for 19 shooting. Still no Tim Hardaway Jr. We'll get to him a little bit later. But this was a good team win. The Pace, the Grizzlies have been struggling. They had just won their first game after a 13-game losing streak against the Timberwolves. So we were scared that maybe they found something. I mean, they played teams close. They played the Cavs close. They're they're a, a decent team. They they play up to the level of the competition, but they always seem to lose. But so it was it was it was a good good win to pull out. We'll start with you this time, Jake. What do you got for me? I. The, my my big bullet points on this one is in 27 minutes, Jared Jack puts up a double-double, 10 and 10, <laughs> 10 points, 10 assists. 
Uh, again, if you said that kind of thing before the season, I, I think people would have laughed pretty good. And then, you know, Cantor did his thing, a casual 12 on 12, 12 and 12. And Lance Thomas with the start, 32 minutes and not a ton of stats, but a plus 26 on the night. Uh, final note before I pass it to the hammer. Is that Tom's nickname on the show? I'll take it. Uh, Knicks go 9 of 14 from 3, 64%. So, like, Greg's patent line, sometimes the ball doesn't go in. Sometimes the ball does go in. So, um, a, a solid win. Solid win. And, again, I, I think a bigger theme for me this year is a, a nice win at home. <laughs> so Yeah. 11, 11 and 5 at home after that game. We got another another win later. So, we're, we're 12 and 5 at home this week. And to go off that 9 for 14 from 3 – only 14 attempts from three. Yes. Tom, what do you got? Hey, Craig, that's exactly ah. where I wanted to go with that. I mean, when you're shooting the ball that well from three, it is just mind-blowing that they wouldn't take some more attempts. Uh, the, just for some some context here, the Houston Rockets lead the league in three-point attempts per game at 43.2 That's more game. than That's more than 14. It certainly is. The, the fewest in the league, uh, the Sacramento Kings take the fewest in the league at 21.7. So... Yeah, fourteen just isn't going to get the job done. And when you're when you're stroking, like get some more shots up. But um, one thing the the Knicks did do really well in that game was actually get to the free throw line. They shot twenty seven free throws, which was their their second highest total this season. And um, I guess it, it shouldn't have been too surprising because the Grizzlies have just been atrocious at fouling opposing teams. They are um, third from the bottom in opponent free throw attempt rate, so they are just hacking everybody and sending everyone to the line this year. So uh, the Knicks are able to take advantage because typically they haven't been great, especially lately, at getting to the line. I'm sure we'll talk about some officiating things. But um, at this point in the season, the Knicks rank 23rd in free throw attempt rate. So, you know, they themselves aren't, aren't getting to the line that much. And when you can get those easy points, you got to do it. So, yeah, so it was a nice team win. Like you said, the Grizzlies aren't, aren't the strongest competition, and you got to win those, those games at home. But everyone counts. Yeah, and once again, Tim Hardaway Jr. was out of that one, and Courtney Lee stepped up. We've, we've been seeing a lot of good stuff from Courtney Lee. Uh, the 24 points was huge, needed that. And he, led us, he, he, helped, he and Chris Dabbs led us to the win, as, as we needed with THJ. We, we, we need someone to step up. And like you said, it's important to, to win those, those games against the bad teams at home, but you got to win the games against the really, really bad teams on the road. And that, that brings us to the Bulls game. This, like I said before, 4-20 and 20 Bulls going into the game on the second night of a back-to-back, and we lost. No Tim Hardaway Jr. again, but we, we had Chris Stapps, and he struggled. He struggled the entire game, basically. And t- he found something a little bit in the second half. He started like 1-for-9 or something, 2-for-9. Two for, two for and it was ugly. When he, when he, even when he picked it up, it was ugly. It was an unfortunate loss. Um, you don't want to blame the refs, but there was a very suspect foul call with 2.9 seconds left to give Chris Dunn two free throws, which gave the Bulls two lead, two points or two free throws, which he made, gave the Bulls a two point lead. Chris Stapps on the subsequent play misses a, a great look at three, but. I mean, we had the chance to win it, which we shouldn't have let it get to that. Uh, refs, don't want to blame the refs because the Knicks were just absolutely horrendous the entire game, and I'm not sure how they were so close 
basically they they went down early. They made a, a quick run at the end of the first half to take a one point lead into the half. Then they basically they went down. They're losing by ten with a minute and forty left, and then they they tied it somehow. So they basically played three minutes of good basketball the entire game, and they came away with the two point loss. Um, what what do you see there, Tom? Yeah, so I don't know if you guys got to check out my stat of the game from this one. Um, I just put it up today, but uh, this was another game where fast break points kind of kind of killed the Knicks a little bit. They they ended up being outscored seventeen to six in fast break points. It's not quite that thirty one to five disparity from the Pacers game, but it's just a troubling pattern. Again, guys not getting back on defense. I, I included just several clips of um, Nuaba. Is, is that the the Bulls guy who just yeah. Just kept getting wide open dunks off tur- off of uh, Knicks turnovers, and the, the confusing thing was the Knicks didn't even turn the ball over that much. It was actually one of their season season's lowest turnover to- totals. It's just every time they did turn it over, it ended up in just automatic points because there was no um, transition defense. Uh, the other thing I want to note defensively was that New York allowed the Bulls to go 16 of 20 in the restricted area, which is really uncharacteristic for them. That the Knicks are among the best teams in the league at rim protection and defending the restricted area. So, so right, like heading into the game, they were the second best team in the league at defending the restricted area, only giving up fifty-eight percent of shots there. But uh, yeah, against Chicago, they allowed eighty percent. So, yeah, not it was a if you're not defending in transition, if you're not defending the rim, it's going to be a long night for you. Yeah, yeah. we 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 talked about. You know, the Grizzly game before this, it's kind of a funny box score when you look at it. The Grizzlies shot like 42% from three. They shot better from three than two. So there's two teams that shot really good from three that game, (laughs) and it's kind of an ugly box score. This game, the team shot pretty hideous from three. The Knicks shot 29%, Bulls 28. Um, You know, a little – little shout out to Chris Dunn. Um, he's kind of figuring it out and I'm, I'm going to spin that into a positive note. Cause I, I know as Tommy's mentioning kind of, if you follow basketball, what Chris Dunn last year <laughs> as a rookie was pretty atrocious and he was 22 years old. So, you know, he came out and he did what 17, nine and seven, something like that. And he's been playing pretty good basketball. So I'm, I'll spin that into my Frank note, you know, at least Frank put up a 10 and seven that game. And uh, he's he's a 19-year-old guy fig- figuring it all out. He went two from two for three from three that game. Um, I'm, I mean, the biggest note, I, I think, well, again, no Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, <laughs> which I guess we can <laughs> say that as a sweep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, the effort level, I'll, I'm, I'm going to pass this baton to Greg because you kind of mentioned it first, I believe, when we were talking about it. But, I mean, the, the effort level between the first quarter and the fir- fourth quarter is was noticeable to – Elsa from Frozen. No, I don't know. But <laughs> stop that. Stop that. Uh, Greggy, take take it from there. So they they fell down nineteen to six to start the game, and so the Knicks had six points with three minutes and fifty seven seconds left in the first quarter, which is bad. You would you would like to have more points than that at that point, and this is coming off. Two days of rest against uh, the worst team in the NBA on a back-to-back. I have to keep saying that because this is such a horrible loss. And if the Knicks want to be a playoff team, you have to beat really, really bad teams. You can't lose to those teams. And we've said it. The effort just wasn't there to start the game. They they didn't 
it didn't seem like they went all out until it was absolutely necessary. But even then, they were just a little bit late. Um, one thing I'd like to say was Jeff Hornacek made kind of a, a suspect decision with with insert reinserting the starters in about halfway through the fourth quarter. Frank was in. Jake was talking about him. He was doing a great job. And about halfway through the fourth quarter, he he Hornacek seemed to have his, his mindset on putting his starters back in. And he did that. And they ended up losing the game. But I don't want to blame that entirely. It's not like a an outlandish decision to put put your starters back in. Some people would say that's the right decision, but we've we've seen in the past Frank come in at the start of the fourth quarter and play that whole fourth quarter and lead us to victory. So it's not a thing that's that's that hasn't happened before. We've seen Hornacek just ride Frank throughout the fourth quarter, and he was doing a good job. He's a young guy. This would have been the perfect time for him to play. You yeah, had- Greg, I know there's a lot of research out there about coaches who ride the hot hand versus sort of go with their their standard rotations. And I think it all says conflicting stuff. There's really no right answer there. But I, I think in this case, Frank was playing well enough. I, I think that Hornacek might just be pretty in his ways in terms of the rotation. And, you know, it, it is hard to blame him for that. If you think that J- Jared Jack's the better player and that nine times out of ten he's going to perform better, like today, then that's probably the right move. And it just happened to not work out on this particular day. But like you said, that really we sh- the Knicks should have been in that situation in the first place um you kind of wanted to point to the the Knicks not being able to, to shoot the ball very well Chris Tapps it was his first game back from injury right or it was his second game back second game back second oh, well he went one for seven from three and uh really really struggled from back there I don't know if it's just him still rounding back into form but you really can't even point to the shooting because both teams like Jake said did not shoot the ball well I've got some numbers up here which is why I'm getting to that uh so the Knicks shot four of 13 on wide-open threes. That's about 31% on wide-open threes, meaning that defenders are six or more feet away from you and you take it. The Chicago Bulls shot two of 12 on wide-open threes. That's 16%. So, I mean, frankly, the, the Knicks might have even gotten lucky that the Bulls missed so many wide-open uh, three-pointers too. So uh, you, you really can't point to the shooting. I think effort is the right place to look. Yeah, and we'll get to it later, but it seems like the Knicks do a lot of praying on defense. They they leave some guys open and just hope that they miss. But one thing I'd like to point out, the Knicks gave up 36 points in the fourth quarter. That's that's a lot of points. That's horrible. That's when we lost the game. Dan so. Greg, that's, that's a lot of points to by far the worst in the league. Yeah, yeah. The Bulls have – they said um, – the Bulls have the lowest field goal percentage in the league. So, or they did at least before they played the Knicks. I don't know what the stat is now. We'll move on. Second worst team in the league the Knicks played tonight. The Atlanta Hawks, ugly, ugly game at times. You were worried the Knicks were about to pull off the uh, the back-to-back losses to the two worst teams in the league. But eventually they were able to pick it up, pick it up figure it out. Um, 30 points from Chris Stapps. He stepped up. He he did his thing. He he hit some some big buckets down the stretch. Uh, huge game from Jared Jack, offensive monster. Had a had a season high nineteen points. 
along with Doug McDermott having his season high at 23 points. So these two guys decided to step up. I know um, after the Bulls lost, both Jared Jack and Chris Stapps took took sole blame. They they during interviews they said that that enti- that's entirely on me. I got to do a better job. Jack said I gotta I gotta do a better job getting us started because that slow start really did come come back to haunt them. And Porzingis basically just saying, "Hey, this is this is my team. I got to do a better job than that." So, what do you think about Chris Stapps tonight, Jake? Big big bounce back from what we saw against the Bulls. Yeah, man. Tuck he's got a. Uh... I, this won't be my trademark or anyone's, but he's got a Kirilenko stat line. Shout out to Andre Kirilenko, big fan of the show. I mean, well, <laughs> plus 30 points, but three blocks, two steals, two assists, eight rebounds. Uh, still didn't have the stroke from three, one of five from three. But, um, man, he, um, you know, he's the best player on the court, and I think he dis- displayed that. Um, man, talk talk about a weird <laughs> – you know, talk about a big three: Chris, Be- Chris Stapps, Jared Jack, and Doug McDermott. Um, Doug McDermott nine of thirteen. Uh, Jared Jack seven eleven. Nobody else broke double digits for the Knicks. So, again, and talk, my reoccurring theme at the Garden. Uh, and I don't know. You you walk away saying, "Hey, you know, we got the W." If we lost this. I, I think this podcast has a whole different tone. <laughs> I, I, I think Marvin Bagley gets a lot more mentions in this podcast if we lose this game. But, um, yeah, that's Elsa from Frozen. Tom? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's really fair, Jake. Because, um, like I mentioned, at the, at the end of last pod, everyone predicted – I don't think you were on it, Jake, but Kenny, Greg, and I each predicted a 3-1 and one record just based on the competition – and uh, even factoring in potential for injuries and people missing games, we thought three and one was reasonable. And if it weren't for that Bulls game, you know, that's what we'd be at. But two and two does leave just sort of a bitter taste in your mouth here. And, and if it were one and three, then I completely agree. We would all be uh, sort of saying the sky is falling. But as far as this, this Hawks game, I thought McDermott was spectacular. I, I love watching him play. I know Kenny was texting us raving about his off ball motion and that's, I mean, he does put a t- just a ton of effort in on that end, and I'm, I'm sure there are, there are numbers to back that up somewhere. But um, it's just it's nice to see that McDermott still he hit 40 percent from three for the week. He's still at 40 percent from three on the season. And we just we keep saying it every week we got to get those attempts up because he should just be a higher volume guy. Yeah, and the bench did a great job. They did a great job against the Bulls. 45 bench points last night against the Bulls, and tonight. All five starters had a, a negative plus minus, and all five bench players had a positive. So that may be where we, we won the game. Um, a few people we got to talk about from this this Hawks game. Michael Beasley, six fouls in ten minutes, fouled out of the game, plus 11, one point. <laughs> do, you, do you love it or do you love it, Jake? I, I think my reaction kind of said it all there. I um, God, man, I – I find myself flip-flopping on this dude, never mind every game, but every possession. Like, yeah. I – literally, there's times when he looks like easily the best player on the court. And then yeah. there's times when you're wondering how he's on an NBA team. So, I I don't know, man. I, I'm firmly in the camp because I, I know this is a classic guy who's a 
against a today's NBA and you can find some gnarly bad stats on this guy, but there's not a lot of guys that can come in and just fill up the tin. Like he does fill up the tin. Do people say that? But he, when, when it's on, it's like, it's beautiful. It's, it's like this, it's a lefty B squad LeBron going at it almost. And then when he's off, it's, I don't know. If, if Jeff Green had had a stroke or something, so I I don't know. I I think Beasley doesn't finish the year on this team. I think he provides a ton more value elsewhere as this shot of life. But it's as of now, I I have no qualms with him. It's fun to watch when it's happening. Now Tom bury him. No, I mean I I actually <laughs> enjoy watching his game at times. When he gets going, it is fun, and you know the Knicks crowd gets gets into it because just because of his personality um even b squad lebron is very generous of you i don't think beasley really passes the ball is that tr- i don't know what, what he I, averages in terms I'd of assists that's but, true. yeah i don't I'm, i don't remember ever seeing him pass the ball so um if he does if he does it'll be a no look i promise you that totally a no look pass 0.9 assists per game zero zero point nine. you said yes yes yeah so and, the, yeah b squad lebron Maybe B squad Jeff Green actually, but uh, actually Be- Beasley creates a lot more offense than him. So Be- Beasley can create offense. He's great at coming off the bench and doing that. I-, I don't I don't really know if his role fits this like ten minutes per game. You know, taking three shots from the field sort of that doesn't really seem like his strength. I know his plus minus like you mentioned was plus eleven, but it seems like his strength is more when we've got an injury then Beasley just comes in and becomes the featured guy. We talked a little bit about it last week too. He can capably perform that role as being the guy for, for a team. That's probably not going to win a ton of games, but at least be competitive. Yeah, that's Beasley. I uh, never I, know. What, never know what you're going to get. I, is that a force gump or a frozen shout out? But I, the, the last frozen. thing, I'd, too much last, frozen. Last thing I'd have to say is, like we and we bring it up too much. Well, a because of the mellow trade, and B because I have a bunch of Thunder fans I talk to regularly. But like Michael Beasley on the Thunder, like I I feel like he'd be a twenty minutes per night bench guy that can give them something a little more than Alex Abrines and some other guys outside that. I there's some nights where it'd be a total miss, but the nights when he gives that team twenty ten points plus, that'd be a huge boost. So that's. I don't know, Jake. Like Mello hasn't even really fit in on that team, and he's just who? <laughs> yeah, we're talking about, we're talking about Michael Beasley, <laughs> the lefty Mello. The other thing is, I saw Alex Abrines scored twenty points last night, which is the same number of points as Russell Westbrook after taking one third the number of field goal attempts as Russell Westbrook. So <laughs> Russ, Russ took thirty shots for twenty points. Abrines took ten shots for twenty points. So. There that's that's talking thunder. Thanks for coming, everybody. <laughs> talking thunder, talking frozen. Right. Keep it going, Greg. Hey. Just a shot at just a shot at Russ. Boom. Before we before we move on, I gotta mention this. Uh, Ron Baker played great tonight for the most part. Then he did like one like horrible sequence of events where he turned the ball over and then followed the guy shooting a three. And you were like, oh yeah, you're he's still in there. But I mean. Made made some great passes to to Dougie for open threes. One of them, Doug decided to put his foot on the line. Other one, Doug stayed um, behind the arc, which was fortunate. 
He he's not traditionally gifted as a basketball player, but he gives the most effort possible, and which you love to see. Um, I don't I don't think there's much more to say about the, that than that. I think I perfectly summarized Ron Baker because I think about him for five hours a day and how he's in the NBA. And this this showed why he's in the NBA is because he tries his hardest. If everything goes perfectly, then it works out. Played 31 minutes tonight, which is good, which which was good for tonight and tonight only. Hope he hope he sits on the bench the rest of the season. That's that's my take on Ron Baker. Let's move on to the bigger fish to fry. That's the name of this new segment because I'm the host, and I just made it up. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. is injured. Well, out out two weeks is what they're saying right now. Seems like that may have just be made up, and it could be longer, but. Should we be concerned? The answer is yes. How how concerned and why, Tom? And who is going to step up is the most important part of that. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to be really concerned. He's one of the best shot creators, offense creators on this team. He was starting to get into a little bit of a groove there before he got injured. He uh, was even starting to pass the ball pretty well, I think. And it's just he he's the one of the only guys on this team who can – just push the ball and, and score in transition and get early buckets in the shot clock because that's typically when defenses aren't set and uh, where a lot of the the most efficient offense comes from. So if Hardaway is not there to do it, Jared Jack's certainly not going to do it. Frank's still getting there. Um, and, and Courtney Lee actually is quite good at it. He just doesn't do it nearly as frequently as Hardaway. Yes, and um... – not only is he one of the best at pushing in transition, but just when the ball is uh, offense is set, he's one of the best to get into the rim too, and and that's that's important. With him out, we've seen a lot of standing around and uh, people hoping someone else is going to do something, and that's been unfortunate. So, who we saw Dougie step up tonight, Jake? Who do you got stepping up? Is it going to be Dougie going forward, or do we need to see something from somebody else? Man, I'm I'm more bullish on Doug than I think you guys. I I I don't know. I I when we've brought him up in past podcasts, I've kind of I asked the question a couple times. Like, do we think he can become a starter on this team slash kind of a starter in this league? And I I think the consensus was kind of no. He like he could, but you wouldn't respect him as a good starter. Like great bench player, mass starter. I think is kind of the consensus. Man, I, in today's NBA and what this guy has shown athletically this year and doing a couple different things, this guy can play some basketball. I, I'd love to see him get more minutes and see what he fully can do. Um, Damian Dotson, I think, needs to get mentioned too, the fact that they're willing to throw him the start. Um, I, I, that could be big. I know Kenny, shout out, he's, he's bullish on him. Man, I, I got to be honest with you guys, and, and not, not to drop the hammer too soon, but, man, with Chris Stapps being nicked up and Tim Hardaway Jr. and the Knicks coming back down to life, like, I, a little bit's been sucked out of me, and I'm starting to eye that kind of the original plan. Like, you know, do we do we move on from Courtney Lee? Do we I, – I don't know. It's I, <laughs> I remember a couple weeks ago I was screaming about the seventh seed, and now I'm – I, I'm just a lot more back down to earth, and I, I think the injuries are a big part of it, but they can't be ignored either, right? I mean, why 
this this isn't the season that I want to be pushing Chris Stapps' elbow or pushing Tim what um <laughs> blanking on Tim's injury, but pushing it to get hurt more. I think it's yeah. his, his quadricep. I think it's his yeah, it's it's a leg injury. That's all I know. Right? They've been kind of weird about it a little bit, no? Yeah. I, they're they're like, being secretive. Maybe two weeks. I don't know. <laughs> we'll let you know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and I, I was going to get to this later, but you brought it up. Should we panic? What? Where are we at with the Knicks? I know I've been a, a big proponent of the, uh, the eight seed, get these guys some playoff experience. But this week was discouraging, or these last two games at least were discouraging. We didn't have Tim, which is valid. That's a valid reason for these tough performances. But we almost just lost back-to-back games to the two worst teams in the league. We did lose a game to the worst team on the road, and we barely beat the second-worst team in the league, who we already lost to this season. Tom, are you, are you still going for the playoffs, or are you worried? I mean, we should all be worried, but should we be going for the playoffs, or should we hit the panic button and start selling Courtney Lee and stuff like Jake wants to do? I mean, you do have to start hedging your bets a little bit. Look, we, we had a little bit of a, of a heated argument last week or maybe the week before about Courtney Lee's value. I think that was two weeks ago, and in those two weeks, he's been incredible. Um, in terms of what you could get for him, if you – I, I said two weeks ago you could not get a first-round pick for him. If you can get a first-round pick for him, I think you do that. I, I don't know about you guys. I, I think that that's, a, that's kind of selling high on him. He's, he still has a couple of years left on his contract. He's not that cheap. And, um, and a, and a first-round pick would just fit in better with the Frank KP, you know, potentially Billy <laughs> core that we've got going on here. And Tim yeah. Hardaway Jr., I should add. Because he's young too, he's twenty-five. So, yeah, if you can, if you actually can sell off guys like Kyle O'Quinn and Courtney Lee for reasonable returns, and you're not just sent like sending them off on, for pennies on the dollar, then yeah, I, I think you certainly have to consider that. Yeah, long term, it's something to think about. Um, we're not going to win the championship this year, according maybe. to you two. We have you, you two guys probably don't think we are. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm still thinking about it. But another thing about the Courtney Lee said. Thing is his contract he's a uh, he's got three years including this year he's got two years after this one making 11 11 million or 12 million i think so getting that off the books would be helpful too if we wanted to sign someone um be good to have that'd be good because really i think two years from now is is the year when we're actually thinking about hey maybe we're we're one of the better teams in the league so Jake, long term, what are you thinking? When do you think our window is opening? And and should this year be be should we be selling off? I know you started to talk about it, but should we do it? So so it's funny because it's a it's a bunch of different ideas that come together and I don't know. I think a lot of people, you know, we like to throw ourselves in as the Knicks GM, but <laughs> those those jobs are a lot harder than you really think. Cause think think about the different situations going on right now. We mentioned Courtney Lee. Man, if you're if you're young Will Bill Hernan Gomez, you played one game this week, you got a double-double, you got a 14-10 and 10 in 17 minutes, and you're saying, wait, I'm supposed to be part of the young core of this team? We just lost to the Bulls? Like, you're, you know, I've, <laughs> I've been on the bench more than you guys, but you're telling yourself, hey, if I'm in against Nawabo right now, I could get buckets, you know? So there's, 
I, I think, and it's, it's kind of unfortunate because you have to see it play out for a couple more weeks. But you look at the Eastern Conference standings right now. The Knicks are currently in ninth. Uh, Sixers are eight. Pistons seven. Heat are right below the Knicks. But, man, the East has almost fully sorted out <laughs> to kind of what you'd think before the season. Uh, the only oddball right now is the Pacers, who are playing good basketball. Oladipo's kind of taking that jump. Again, maybe getting away from Russ. Sorry, fans. Sorry, Talking Thunder. But, um, man, I I just don't know. I need – so in the next three weeks, or maybe we mark it down as January 1st, I need to see some road wins. Because yeah. it's cool. The garden's electric. I love that. Um, but, um, I mean, a sign of – and, <laughs> you know – a good slash decent slash okay NBA team, you got to win some games on the road. Our only win was against the Cavs when they were not even playing basketball. So, yeah, and Jake, 12 of the Knicks' 16 games in January are going to be on the road. There's a West Coast trip in there that looks brutal. And, uh, yeah, I, considering we're 1-8 and eight right now on the road, if, if they don't clean some things up, then January is just going to destroy their odds at, at you know, even potentially contending for the eight seed. Yeah, and we've been losing. Uh, at first, it was okay. We've just played a lot of good teams on the road, so it's not that big of a deal. We lost to the Magic, was our bad loss, and we didn't have Chris Stapps in that one. Kenny says those games don't count. That's okay. Then we just lose to the Bulls, and it's like okay, maybe, maybe this is a real thing, and we need to figure it out. There's, there's, they seem to feed off the energy from the Garden. And when they're not at the garden, there's just they, they can't figure it out down the stretch. They can't figure it out at the very beginning. It's it's just ugly. And hopefully they sort it out. Another thing that they need to sort out is these defensive rotations. We are it just like I said before, it seems like there's a lot of praying going on. We leave people open for wide open threes. Um Chris Stapps maybe the biggest culprit of all, guarding the perimeter, just not closing out or leaving his man to go chase a block. What do you What are you seeing on defense, Tom? That that we need to adjust. I mean, it's it's been three point defense <laughs> this whole year has been sort of the main thing. Um, they're towards the bottom of the league in terms of giving up wide open three pointers. Um, opposing teams are hitting just an average number on that. So. Um, yeah, they're giving the Knicks are giving up 21% of opponent shots on wide open threes and 15% are open threes. So, you put those two together and only the Kings are giving up a greater percentage of open and wide open threes than the Knicks. So, I, I may have even mentioned that stat last week and it still holds true this week and that is just not a good formula to win in today's NBA, especially when you yourselves are only shooting, you know, towards the bottom uh, part of the league as uh, far as your three-point attempts. You're just going to – you're you're fighting a game against math there that you're not going to win, especially when you're not getting to the free throw line. The other thing on defense, I mentioned it before, was the transition stuff. They're, they're not they, – especially this week, they just weren't getting back on defense. And it's it, it's going to be a, an issue going forward if they can't clean that up. Tom, I got a quick question. Is that that percentage of threes or is that percentage of total shots? That percentage is- of total shots. So – you're telling me 35% of opponent shots are either open threes or wide open threes. Yeah, let me – I could dig into this a little more, but, uh, yeah, that's that's what these, these numbers here are saying. 
That's really bad. We need to do something about that. What do you think, Jake? What do we do? How do we solve it? Yeah, I'll uh, Tom, well, we we give you the ruthless task of digging up stats live. Could you give us one of the better teams or look up <laughs> some of the better teams stats on that so we can have something to bounce that off of? But yeah, I mean just uh, Greg, you're <laughs> What you just did was the perfect evaluation of that. Like, wait, if we're giving up 35% of the shots are open threes, bad, bad basketball. Yeah, that is, that is a lot of shots. And I, I don't know. I mean, again, there's a lot of youth on the court. Cantor obviously is known for some of his flaws. Um, you know, Frank's still a rookie. I, you know, who's Jarrett Jack scaring defensively? And, you know, again, we're, we're still mixing up our rotations and things like that. So I, I don't know. The, um, the Knicks defense is what it is. I, the one very cliche thing that went through my head while we were talking about this, um, and it's more, it's more so used in football, but I'll, I'll, I'll use it in basketball. But uh, they always talk about good football teams and if they have a good defense, and they say, you know, good defense travels anywhere. You can bring that wherever. Well, hey, we're losing all our games on the road, and we have bad defense. So it may—I don't know if we're talking hand in hand, but it, it'd be nice. Yeah, it's a good thought. Yeah, uh, something yeah. needs and, to change. Greg, just to answer your question from before, I'm, I am talking about percentage of total field goals. So yeah, it, it's it's as bad as it sounds. That, and it, that, that's and, bad. And in terms in terms of uh, teams that that do well there. The Miami Heat give up the fewest percentage of wide open threes, just 13% compared to the Knicks, 21%. Um, and then in open threes, then the Magic only give up 10% of open threes, so that's the fewest. And the the Knicks are towards the very bottom at 15%. So, so um, yeah. So what's a, what's a team like? What what is the Magic's wide open plus open? If I could ask you that, I mean, I'll give you a second. <laughs> because these are some some hardcore stats. Yeah, these, these are the hardcore stats. ones. Yeah, I, I put that in an Excel file last week. I, it would take me a minute <laughs> to throw that together. That's all right. We don't need and, it. We'll, and we'll, I, we'll, I think we'll, the the bigger point is that we're we're comparing to the Magic and the Heat right now, who aren't necessarily yeah bigger teams in this league. But the fact is, if they can do it, you know, if if the top of those teams aren't, you know, Spurs. Uh, Cleveland, Golden State, the, the top teams in this league. That means the Knicks can do this. I don't think anyone on Orlando or Miami are guys that you'd say are special players. I mean, the only defensive guy that jumps out from those two teams is Justice Winslow, and I mean, he's he's yeah. been kind of a hot mess in the NBA. So, I mean, it, it comes down to I think I think there's some coaching aspects of all, but uh, we Definitely. know de- defense. It, it, you know, I'm going to start pumping my chest. Art and hustle, baby. Yeah, Ron so, Baker. Ron Baker showed it today. <laughs> yeah, all day. Ron, you, and I, I missed it on the Ron Baker segment, but you know what I've, I've come to grips with, and I think Nick Nation needs to come to grips with. You know what? Ron Baker's going to be a solid third point guard slash third shooting guard for this team. So, cool. You're, you're getting paid too much. I wish I was. Yeah, you're going to be here for the next two years. and. That's that we should be talking about that effort. Effort on defense is a big thing. That's that's largely why the Celtics are the best team in the league. Um Brad I, Stevens Brad Stevens gets his guys to play playoff defense the entire season. 
did we did we tweet out the clip? If we didn't, I think Tom shared it with us just in our in our chat. But um, we we should tweet it out from talking Knicks. That clip of the Suns playing defense, quote unquote, against the Celtics. I mean, that's like that. That's you hear your uncle at Christmas talking about how NBA players don't play. That's the clip they are seeing, and you're like, okay, I don't have an argument for that one. Yeah, but, I mean, part of that. That's that's Marcus Smart shooting the first two threes, which you're like, okay, yeah, who cares? But then they just let somebody else shoot an actual wide open three in the corner on the third one, which was bad. I mean, the first two, someone should at least pretend to be going to guard Marcus Smart, but they didn't. And yeah, the last one was Al Horford, if I recall correctly. Um, just getting back to the Knicks here, I've got some some home versus road stats. Um, and, and so, Jake, you mentioned that the defense thing. So the, the differential between their home and defense, their home and away defense, actually isn't that great. So it's uh, at home, their defensive rating is, a, is they give up 103 points per 100 possessions. On the road, they give up 109. So it's just a six-point difference there. It's kind of significant, but it's actually their offense that just plummets on the road. So at home, they score 109 points per 100 possessions. On the road, just 97. So a 12-point... <laughs> Uh, difference there which is just crazy so yeah that's definitely worth um looking at going forward on the road just seeing like what's going on with their offense why is it not performing as well as it does in new york yeah that's bad 12 point swing on offense six point swing on defense that's that's 18 points right there and they uh, are 18 points worse on the road for 100 possession that's true not quick, good quick math i'm talking math yeah i'm a i'm a counter i don't know if you you notice that i, I don't do i don't that's dive right. in I don't dive into the big time stats like Tom, but I, I can count. Let's. Uh, all right, we're gonna we're gonna go to our our two big topics, the big boys. That's gonna be the name of this segment. Um, we'll start with with the little big boy, Frank. We we saw we saw good Frank for a couple games this week. Um, to be honest, I was prepared to uh to start hating on Frank on this podcast. I was telling Kenny, who is uh. Frank's biggest fan, the uh, most patient guy with Frank. I was saying, come on, this guy half the time doesn't look like he knows how to play basketball. He's he like he's scared to shoot, and then you could see him when he's like, okay, I need to stop being scared to shoot, so he shoots. He telegraphs passes. He's he's trying to be secretive, but he just does it, and the defensive player catches it. He's been sloppy. He's been sloppy, been lacking confidence. I was ready to put to panic, but this week he did some good stuff. Jake, you want to talk about what the good stuff he did? He was, he didn't have a steal for a while, but he got some steals this week. He played some good offense. Let's hear it. Yeah, man. So on on the week he he played in all four games, twenty one minutes, eight points, two boards, three assists, uh, one steal, uh, two point three turnovers per game. So here's I and I told you guys we we were joking around and we uh <laughs> you guys were mentioning that Frank's kind of got a he's been prone to missing his layups a little bit like yeah. uh kind of open on the break like like uh, semi contested but like no that's still layup Frankie you gotta gotta make that yeah and so I I started I started talking myself into athleticism and I was kind of thinking about Doug Dougie Fresh a little bit because Doug McDermott came into this league not a guy that was thought of as athletic and now he's doing like reverse dunks um like contested so I started doing myself to talk about you know 
Frank's obviously going to grow into his body, even if he doesn't have the speed, which a lot of scouts have talked about. I mean, I think this guy's going to get some bounce, or at least more than he has now, and that's going to help him a lot more around the rim. And you know, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna compare him to almost every Nick player. Here we go, um, Chris Stapps. We saw Chris Stapps go at guys this year, like literally. We've we've seen him try to do tip dunks and stuff, just kind of yeah. mean stuff, which. I don't think he's even been great at, but that attitude is awesome, and I think that's part of led him led him to where he is today. Um, I think you're going to see Frank have that moment, probably not this year, maybe next year. I the third year is always the pivot year, so that's a little bit of a cop out. But man, I decided I'm excited to see this guy because if the athleticism if the athleticism picks up in his frame and what that's going to develop, then that's going to be awesome. The other thing I was thinking about is, you know, a, a lot of guys that play European basketball have a certain craft to them. You know, we, we reference Euro style. Um, it's it's more so towards the big, big man usually, but usually they have pretty good, you know, craft, the, the Euro step, <laughs> if you will. Um, and I started thinking about, man, if the athleticism were to catch up or if Frank just figures out kind of how to be craftier, Man, I think this guy's going to be a weapon. I, I've kind of decided I'm in on Frank. I, I, I think with what he can already do with his build and what that can become in a couple separate ways, uh, I'm in. It's, it's just going to, it's going to take a lot of time, and there's going to be tough nights because he is 19 years old. Yeah, and a lot of it, I feel like a lot of the things that we don't like seeing is, has a lot to do with confidence and I don't. I don't think he's. I think he's lacking the confidence to dunk the ball. To be honest. Yeah, Greg. Going off that a little bit, uh, Frank has definitely struggled within the restricted area. I've got some numbers here for you. So he's only averaging less than one field goal attempt per game in the restricted area. So zero point nine shots per game in the restricted area. He's only making thirty five percent of those shots. And just for a little comparison's sake, granted, Frank doesn't play as many minutes per game as some of these other rookies, but I'm just going to throw some names out regardless. So like Ben Simmons is taking seven shots a game in the restricted area. John Collins from Atlanta, who's actually hurt right now. Uh, I think that's right. I think he's hurt. Six shots per game. Dennis Smith Jr., five and a half. Kyle Kuzma, about five. Donovan Mitchell, just under five. Even Lonzo Ball's taking just under four. So, you know, a lot of these rookies, like I said, playing more minutes, sure, but they're also just attacking the rim a lot harder than Frank has has shown the the capability of doing. It's a little worrisome. He, he's settling for a lot of mid-range jumpers and floaters. That's where most of his shots are coming from. So ho- hopefully Jake's right that he develops this athleticism. I'm sure he will. He's so young. He's still has to, um, he is a frame to, to get stronger. But uh, he's definitely going to need that and to, uh, to get to the rim to be more more of an effective player. Yeah, and with his confidence – he, you can see his confidence sometimes. He, he takes some swaggy threes, but it's. I don't think he's played an entire game and been confident the whole time. It seems to switch possession to possession. He'll he'll start the game. Someone will pass him the ball for an open three. He'll pump fake and then he'll dribble and be like, "Shit, I should have shot that." You can see it. You can basically see it in him. And then sometimes he'll he'll pull the ball back out and then he'll be like, "Okay, he he realizes it." And a lot of times when he pulls it back out, he seems to be shooting it. And one thing that I have to talk about is his his tendency to shoot long twos 
after having an open three. He likes to take one dribble and shoot. He he hasn't been really a catch and shooter. Um, we talked a little bit about that last week, but that's partially confidence and that's partially what? I, I, I don't know. Why why doesn't he just take the good shots? What do you guys think about that? I'm I'm saying he, it's it's still 19 and he's new to the league. I, I think, you know, in any league Frank's played in before this, I think a pump fake and a jab step go a lot further than the NBA. And I, I don't know. you. This, the NBA is – it's really become a beautiful game with the ball movement when Golden State and the good teams do it right. I mean, it's uh, – not to get too artsy on everyone with my two college dance classes, but it's it's dancing. It's, it's in poetry and motion. The ball's moving. The players are moving. You see beautiful no-look passes where – Guys know where guys are going because it's part of the offense and it's just rhythm. And, I mean, Frank's so still so new to this game and he, you can see him wanting to make the right play. And I think you've mentioned it, Kenny's mentioned it on previous podcasts, that he's a little mechanical. Like right now in his head it's, okay, the, you know, we're, we're running X post, you know, two passes, get it to Canner, blah, blah, blah. And I, it's it's the speed of the game. Once that catches up, and again, this is a guy who's not known for his speed, where De'Aaron Fox out of college can come in and be the fastest guy on the court. You know, Frank's going to have to do a lot more adjusting, but I'm thinking when these adjustments happen, it's going to just absolutely take him off. I'm, I I fell in love with Frank, and I think it was partially from seeing Chris Dunn. But. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Tom, you want to you give us some final thoughts on Frank? Yeah, so one thing I mentioned to you guys a little earlier in the week was uh, how Frank plays when he's next to Chris Stapps versus when he's playing without Chris Stapps. And the difference is really remarkable. Um, so when, when Frank's on the court with Porzingis, he shoots a lot better from three. He's shooting about 43% from three with Chris Stapps on the court versus just 21% from three when Chris Stapps is on the bench. Um, and just in general, in terms of how the team performs, the Knicks are plus 49 in Frank and KP's 145 minutes together, and they are minus 56 in uh, the 308 minutes that Frank's been on the court without Porzingis. So it's a little... I, I know there have been some injuries to, to hamper this a little bit, but I want to see a lot more of Frank and Porzingis together just to see if this is just a small sample size thing or if those two together really, you know, have something special, they can get that dance chemistry that Jake's talking about over there. Yeah, and think- Greggy, Greg, when you're the host, you have to know I interject and play host at least once a pod. So I have to send this right back at Tom. Tom, do you – because they haven't played a ton of minutes together. Do you, A, blame Hornacek, and B is kind of more of an opinion question, but do you think Frank plays better – partially because Chris Stapps is better? Do you think Frank knows his role a little better when Chris Stapps is out there? What do you think? Well, I think that the injuries have definitely had a lot to do with it. Um, I mean, just the fact that Porzingis has missed full games is going to take away from the minutes that they would play together. But I think the other part of it is is probably has to do with rotations. And uh, it, it seems like, you know, KP and Frank could have definitely shared more minutes together since KP has been healthy. But I think that uh, Frank. All right. All right. I think we lost Tom for a second there. But um, one thing I'll say is the, the plus minus as may partially the big change in the plus minus may 
partially be a reason for uh, the big change is because Chris Tapps isn't in the game. This was why the plus minus is negative without Chris Tapps in the game. I feel like a lot of Knicks may have that a similar stat in their book when they're with Chris Tapps or when they're not with Chris Tapps. So that's something to note. But the three point numbers is is real. The forty three and, and twenty one is is something to think about playing the two at the same time. I, I do agree that Frank does a better job with Chris Tapps in the game. Um, so we're going to move on to our final thing, and it is the big, big boy. It's Chris Tapps Porzingis. We, we've seen some, uh, some shakiness from him. I don't know. He's been a little inconsistent. That Bulls game was, was painful to watch in a lot of ways because of him. He got the ball about, I don't know, maybe like the first 10 possessions, and he just decided to shoot it every single time and miss pretty much every single time. Um, it seems like a lot of teams are figuring him out. It, it's it's be very physical and double team, and he 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 doesn't know how to how to solve the double team. He seems against the Bulls, he just seems surprised every single time it came, even though it came every single time. Uh, his defense has been, I don't know, suspect is is the word I'd like to say. He he's a ball chaser. He leaves his man. Uh, last night he left. Miritich a lot, and Miritich just knocked down three after three. Tonight he left Ursan Ilyasov a lot, and he knocked down three after three. So, I mean, we've talked a lot about defense, but Jake, what do you think Chris Stabs can do on offense? He needs to become a better passer, especially out of the double team. But, but how does he how does he do that, and what else can he do to to become a better player? Yeah, the, the, the passing is huge. I, I think that's – because, I mean, we saw – was it – I forget which game it was. It was – I think it was one of the games at the Garden. But, I mean, one team was blatantly, like, full-out double-teaming him. Like, whatever happens, just leave your guy, help out, don't care where he is. And, like, if that happens in an NBA game – you have to be able to take advantage of that somewhere with ball movement or cutting or whatever it is. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I Something that kind of just came to me a little bit because I was, I was thinking of good passing big men, and I was trying to think of big men who have had to learn to pass, and no names really jumped to mind, which is a little worrisome. But I think what is interesting is, like I mentioned before on the pod, uh, big bro Joe, Joe Kim Noah, when he was on, he was one of the best passing big men in the league. So I, you, you wonder if there's again. I've penciled Joe Kim Noah as a coach for the rest of the the, the next two and a half years, whatever it may be. Um, he he would seem like a great asset to have on that. Um, I I don't know. Otherwise, I mean, offensively, I, <laughs> I I'm I'm not going to pick bones at this guy. I I think as Tom will probably mention, his his rim protecting numbers are still. Um, kind of the best in the league. So I, you can't get mad at him for that. And maybe if he's chasing, I, I don't know, you can blame it on chasing the block a little bit, which I'm kind of okay with. I, I don't know. I, I don't have a ton of complaints with him. I, I think the path passing will be huge, though. If, if teams know they can just flat out double team him and limit the consequences, that's, that's the treatment he's going to get until he figures it out. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of it is that he, he needs to recognize that he's getting double teamed. Against the Bulls, he just didn't he didn't change anything. They double teamed him every single time and he wasn't ready for it ever. Tom, what do you yeah. what are you thinking about Chris Tapp's offense? Can you guys hear me now? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We got we got Tom back. Sorry about that. But what what do you got for Chris Tapps on offense? And then we'll also let you just transition into into what you got Chris Tapps on defense. How does he get better on both ends? Yeah, so I've got I've got a theory about Chris Tapps on offense, and I think that he came into this season, he worked out by himself, I believe, with with like his family members overseas, and he I mean he was posting videos every day and he got very strong, right? Like he was talking every day about how much stronger he felt. But one thing I've heard a lot of is over the course of an NBA season, you don't get a chance to lift weights. Like you're playing basketball every night. You're tired, so you're not like getting into the gym. And I really think that he's got a body type where if he's not lifting weights, he's going to slim down but pretty quick. And um, I, I honestly think that's become kind of an issue for him at this point in the season where he's doesn't have the strength and I've noticed him getting pushed off his spot a lot more recently than I did earlier in the season when he was, you know, raising my eyebrows. I, I couldn't believe how strong he looked. Um, but yeah, I, I think over the course of the season, it's to be something that as he gets older and just naturally fills out, that will be something that won't be as big of a concern going forward. But this season I've noticed he's just, just getting pushed around more at this point. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a big part of it. People have been very, very physical with him, and he's, he decided to stop flopping, which is good. He's been trying to take it. Refs have have not been nice to him after the flopping, and even if he is getting fouled, he's not getting the calls, which which is brought troublesome. Uh, as far as the defense goes, I I'd like to see him stop chasing the block. He 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 goes for the pump fakes from like other guys, man, and that that leaves his own man open. He's not great at closing out. Um, that partially seems to be effort, but I mean, when, when you're given so much on both on, on offense and at the rim, it's hard to, to fault him for not wanting to sprint out and, and try to guard the three point line. But uh, unfortunately that's just part of the game that you're going to have to, you're going to have to, to guard the three point line too, Chris Depps. Yeah, I, I think you, you need to mention the team as a whole there, too, because I, I think, you know, Chris Stapps isn't the defensive liability on this team, so you wonder if maybe he's putting a little too much on his shoulders. I, I think if Chris Stapps was surrounded by a little bit of a better, well-rounded team, I don't think we'd be complaining about his defensive prowess at all. Yeah, 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 that's true. He's and the best player. It has to do with what position he's playing too. Like if he wants to play the four, then he's definitely going to have to chase around, stretch fours around the perimeter. If he's down to play the five, there are fewer fives out there who they're, they're becoming more and more of them, but there are still fewer centers who, who get out there and shoot threes that you need to contest like that. So it just depends on what position he's going to want to play going forward too. Yep, absolutely. And uh, he's the best player on the team by far still. So uh, I'll, I'll take all our complaints with a grain of salt. Um, one of the best shot blockers in the NBA, just an absolute unicorn on offense doing stuff that you, you don't see anybody else doing. So, so let's move on next week. We got some games that we are hoping to win. Um, we're going to play the Lakers at home. We're going to try to write our, our, our woes on the road against the Nets. 
in Brooklyn. We're the New York Knicks, so hopefully we can win that one. And then we got the return of Carmelo Anthony to MSG. Um, what are we thinking? Two in one week is what we're hoping for, I assume. The Thunder have been struggling, and we're at home, and we don't like Carmelo Anthony. So maybe that's something that we possibly could. But you'd also think that maybe Carmelo Anthony doesn't like us, too, and he's he's ready for it. So what's your prediction for next week? What are you thinking about this Lakers Lakers game, Tom? <clears throat> I think this is kind of a – Jake likes to talk about pivot games. This this might be a pivot week. I mean, neither neither the Lakers nor the Nets are pushovers. They, they both are, are pretty well-coached teams, and they play hard. They're both young, um, young and hungry. So, I mean, I came into last week thinking that the Bulls and Hawks were automatic wins. I don't see any of these as automatic wins. And, um, I mean, especially given our struggles from this past week, I, I'm definitely going to say 2-1. and one. I'm going to stay optimistic here and say 2-1. and one. But especially considering that the, the Nets game is, is basically a home game too, so it's almost like three home games in a row. Um, but I'm not as confident. And, and I could see this week, if things go poorly, we'll be on the pod next week saying, singing a whole different tune. Yeah, uh, I agree with the pivot week. Um, both these teams, Lakers and Nets, are both ten and fifteen. Thunder are twelve and thirteen. Um, they're still not the Thunder who we they they haven't been the Thunder we saw opening night for most of the season. They've had about I don't know two or three games where they looked that good, and unfortunately, we were one of them. But Jake, let's let's hear from you. Um, I know I know we had Tom talk about the Lakers and Nets game, but Carmelo Anthony returning to MSG. How's he getting greeted, and how's he going to perform? Man, I, I, a couple things I'll tie into that. It's a it's going to be a media circus pivot week too. You got Lonzo and his Lakers coming to the Garden for the first time. ESPN game. That's going to be a scene, and then Carmelo coming back to town. I, I think it's going to be nice. I think um, you're you're going to see Melo. Melo's going to try to mellow pretty hard for a little bit. Mello, yeah, I agree. Melo's going to get shots up early, and if he can go for a 40-point night, he'll go for it. If he's not all there, I, I, I think you're going to see them kind of go back, and OKC has a lot bigger things to figure out and worry about right now than Melo coming back to the garden. I, uh, I don't know. The, the sick thought that went through my head uh, <laughs> when you mentioned this week's schedule was I just pictured the Knicks, say the Knicks beat Brooklyn this week, and then three weeks from now the Knicks are going to be 2-12 and 12 on the road, and their two road wins are going to be against the Cavs team that didn't exist yet and at Brooklyn right down the road from where they play. So that's I, – I don't know. I, I don't like that thought. I, I don't think it's a pivot week. I, I'll, I'll actually spin it to the OKC game. I I think my lesser confidence in the Knicks as they split these first two, and then if they beat Mello and OKC coming back, we're going to be all sorts of jacked up. Lose that game. I, you know, I mentioned Marvin Bagley. I'll probably I'll mention another prospect next week if we lose that game. So, so you, are you saying a one and two week, Jake? Is that, is that your final prediction? Jake, you're on mute, unfortunately. Or fortunately. No, uh, that was fortunately. I said some words that <laughs> the, the seven magic words you can't say on TV. Is that still a thing? 
George Carlin. Uh, I, uh, no, I, I think it's funny. I'll, I'll throw the two and one just because the, the first two games this week are quite winnable. So, so is OKC, actually. I mean, OKC at the Garden, <laughs> if you ignore the team names and the player names, would be one of, one of the more winnable games this week. But I, I don't know. I think you, you can easily get a, a win at Brooklyn. Still need to see it, as Tom mentioned, that, that team's, you know, playing basketball. And like I also mentioned, I always mention the garden factor. I mentioned Melo trying to go for that big night. What if Lonzo Ball makes his first couple buckets? What if Kuzma makes his first couple buckets? You're going to see a lot of the guys on the Laker team trying to get their name out there. And there's Noodle the Doodle. Your dog chasing He's, you around? At Noodle the Doodle a little bit. He, he, uh, hates, he hates Kyle Kuzma. I know he that. He hates Kyle Kuzma. He's always barking about it. But um, I don't know. I, I'm assuming just – with the recent Knicks half struggles that they split these first two games and then OKC's the fifth <laughs> game. But I don't know. Noodle's just going crazy about yeah, Jake, back take to the care garden. Your dog. All right, no, Jake. No chance. Jake, we, we got enough for you. All right, so Jake's at one and two. Tom's well, I was at. Gonna say, Greg, uh, I could I could see Julius Randle having his tryout game for the Knicks here. All right. Hey, I, I wouldn't mind. I mean, we don't really need a big man, but like I'm, you've mentioned this before, Tom, is – that may be the type of big man that we do want next to uh, Chris Dabbs. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, I, I read the Zach Lowe tweet where he said that he thought he would be a good fit. Um, I, I could talk myself into it. I, I know that the Knicks obviously have a, have a glut of bigs, as we like to say. But, um, you know, Randall's young. He's skilled. He's athletic. He can, he can really pass the ball, um, which Porzingis is still learning how to do, like we mentioned. So... Randall doesn't he, – he gets his blocks. I don't know he protects the rim that well, but Porzingis can do that. So I, I think they'd be an interesting matchup for sure. All right. Well, we got any final thoughts. I think we are, are – we're going we're gonna to be hopeful for a two-in-one week. We could see 3-0 and happening, but we're not going to – we're not – none of us are going to predict 3-0. and But if it happens, we'll be like, yes. Closer um, to 3-0 and 0-3. Yeah. That's, we're, it's different than the start of the year. Yeah. So, so two and one's the hope. We wouldn't be surprised by one and two. If it's one of the other three, we'll either be very happy. Or what, if it's one, if it's either three and zero or zero and three, we'll either be very happy or very sad. So, anyone got any final thoughts? I think we talked a lot of Knicks tonight. I, I don't know if we missed anything. One thing I wanted to mention is we talk about Doug McDermott. How fast this guy like goes from getting the ball to putting out the layup is is fun. He. He does it faster than anybody in the whole world, I think. I'm with you there, Greg. I think he might rush his three-pointer a little too much sometimes, but uh, but that layup, that's impossible to block. Yeah, I love it. Jake, do, do you or Noodle have anything else to say? I mean, Noodle, Noodle's still freaking out, out about the mellow game. I'll, um, no, I, I just want this podcast to be remembered, and I, I know Kenny will take pens to be in first on it. I, I, for whatever reason, I've talked myself all in on Frank, um, and I, I want the world to know that. I, I'm trying to not to do it as a biased Nick fan, but <laughs> I also may play all him right. with KP. All right, hey, well, hey, great pod this week. Uh, let's go Knicks. Um, you could you could read some of our articles. We do a every game. We do a recap that Ken usually does. A lot of basketball.com. Tom's doing stat of the game for every game. He does a, he usually does a weekly Knicks article or, or some other article he writes for the Spurs. So follow follow us on Twitter. 
uh, talking Knicks. Hey, thanks for talking Knicks with me, guys. It was fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks.